Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. Manchester City have won 12 and drawn one of their last 13 games. A win against Brentford this week and they're one point behind the league leaders. City, just to remind you, are also in the fifth round of the FA Cup. And they're also ahead after their first leg last 16 in the Champions League tie as well. Some City fans are unhappy. Let's take a temperature check on my three guests and see how happy they are. Welcome to Sarah Messenger, Edward Timpson and Steve Cox. Welcome one and all. Hi Nigel. Hi Nigel. Let's start with you, Sarah. How happy are you then? Some are miserable. Uh, I'm still very happy, Nigel. I mean, I'm a a glass half full kind of woman, so uh, it takes a lot for me to get depressed about football. Um, As most of us that participate in this wonderful podcast uh, have experienced the misery of being a City fan for many years. Um, If this is misery, then the people who think it's miserable really need to take themselves back to probably what? 1984 onwards, maybe 83. Um, that's proper misery, and we had it for a long time. I mean, look, let's let's be honest. Some of some of our lovely fans need to get a grip. Um, Chelsea played well on Saturday. Uh, they deserved a point. We played okay. It wasn't a terrible performance. On another day, we'd have probably scored three goals, but we didn't. I think a point could be quite precious come the end of the season. And we've also sat here on this podcast in February and been eight points behind the league leaders uh, and thought, well, we're never going to make that gap up. They're playing really well, et cetera, et cetera. So let's all keep a bit of perspective. We should all still be very happy. Edward, you look happy enough. You've got a smile on your face. You're, You're all right. Yeah. Well, I tend to have a, a sunny disposition when I can, despite what gets thrown at us all on a day-to-day basis. But uh, no, I think Sarah's right. You know, I think there's there's every reason to be optimistic about the rest of the season. Virtually got a full squad back, which has perhaps caused uh, a few nice issues uh, for squad selection, which we'll probably cover a little bit later on. So, uh, you know, I'm trying not to be too reflective. Uh, and you said it at the start, you know, if you just take the bare stats... 13 games, 12 wins, one draw. And you look at who we've played during that uh, run as well. Uh, that's n- nothing to uh, to be worried about uh, in any stretch of the imagination. So my sort of mood is probably sort of workmanlike. It's going to go for. We just need to stick at it uh, and make sure that uh, we use the whole length and breadth of the talent and experience that we've got to get us over the line. So, uh, you know, we've got some tough fixtures coming up. Uh, there's uh, some defining games in March and April uh, which 
we really have to make sure that we certainly don't lose and probably have to win virtually all of them. But I, I don't think this is any time to panic whatsoever. You just get on with what we know to do at this stage of the season. And uh, Steve, as, as far as you're concerned, from a mood point of view, first of all, and maybe second part, supplementary question, why do you think so many City fans are getting themselves in a tiz about this? They're dropping two points on at the weekend for the first time in a while. So I think back to another City draw that I witnessed a long, long time ago in the early 80s, 1984, I think it was. I went away to Barnsley and stood in the pouring rain the rain was coming down sideways, more or less, and witnessed a nil-nil draw against Barnsley. And we were absolutely rubbish that day. It was Mick McCarthy's first game against his former club, Barnsley. And that I remember it just for that reason, that reason alone, and getting incredibly wet and incredibly cold. So I would say Saturday's game is a complete contrast to that. Actually, at the end of the game, I felt quite positive, to be perfectly honest with you. As much as we missed an opportunity to get three points in the bag, I actually thought we played well enough to have won that game. Everybody has been praising Chelsea over the last couple of three days, but I think Chelsea just did a very good job of defending. I think that's the only thing they did really well in getting people between us and the goal. So I'm really positive about it for the same reasons as Sarah. We have been in far worse positions at this time of year and we've managed to chase down the leaders of the league and we've managed to win. So I'm actually quite happy with where we are at the minute. Can we break it down a bit? Very good. So I think we're all in a similar position. Can we break it down a bit then? Because clearly there were some performances, some individuals we should probably sort of pick out and and, and a couple who were missing that we might well want to talk about as well, Edward. Um, let's start with Haaland. Uh, it, it, he's allowed an off day, isn't he? I mean, he really, really was missed a hatful. Uh, in terms, you think of some of the goals he scored and there were two or three there. On another day, could easily have been 4-1 to City. And he, he's allowed an off day, is he? Or, or are you a bit concerned about maybe his, his lack of goals? Well, he's certainly allowed an off day. We hope that off day isn't in a cup final or uh, in the, the, the big games against uh, Liverpool, Arsenal... Uh, and Spurs, which are coming up in the next month and a half. And you know, let's be fair, in, in some ways, he's been out for quite some time. You can see he's trying, maybe trying a bit too hard, and you, you, you often see that, particularly with headers. They're so desperate to score that they almost put too much effort in. Uh, and so I think I, my advice for him is just relax a little bit. Don't lose your intensity, but just trust your instincts, because that's when he's at his best. So I do think we'll see him come good. Don't forget, he did score two goals the game before, so it's not as if he's uh, on a complete uh, barren run. And he he can turn a game in literally a few seconds. Uh, So I fully expect him to do that in the future. Uh, I'm not sure whether having De Bruyne and Doku in the same sort of lineup is to work for him that well. A lot of the balls went to Doku and his, uh, his final ball in. Was his end product was pretty erratic, so I think it also left De Bruyne with less chances to try and feed Haaland like he had in the past. But no, I don't think we need to be worried about Haaland. He was clearly very, very annoyed at the end of the game that he hadn't put away one of those chances because it was the difference between probably winning and drawing the game. But if that fires his belly up even more, then um, I feel sorry for the teams that are coming up in the next six games. I mean, one of the issues, Steve, is, of course, he doesn't do a huge amount. 
other than scoring goals. So, I mean, that's me being really critical here because we know what a fantastic season he had last season and already even now he's not exactly lagging behind in terms of goals scored against everybody else. But in those games where clearly he had lots of chance he didn't score and he doesn't do a huge amount, as I say, other than scoring goals, it, it does kind of expose him sometimes. Are you worried or is it just a bad day at the office? I think it's just a bad day at the office. He's had a bit of personal grief recently as well to go with um, only just coming back from injury. And and I can quite understand it. And he looked frustrated. And in some of those cases, the, the, the ball across was not quite good enough for him to have put in first time. And we normally expect a lot from him because he's generally very good at creating, you know, from a half chance, he creates a goal out of it. Whereas I think this time he was getting some half chances and he wasn't making them into full chances. So now I feel a little bit sorry for him because he, he's, it's not for lack of effort and it's not for, for lack of trying. Um, and I think it just wasn't quite clicking for him at the weekend. Equally, Chelsea packed that box and it made it very, very difficult for him to get shots off. So he was pretty much limited to trying to head the ball in the back of the net. And if that doesn't quite come at the right trajectory, it can be quite a hard opportunity for him. We normally expect him to convert it. So no, I'm not worried about that at all. Sarah, last word on Harland before I move on to something that uh, Edward picked up. I think Edward and Steve have made all the, the right points there. I, and, and, and actually, I think he only missed one sitter, the header from the cross from De Bruyne. That should definitely have been a goal. I think the others were maybe anything between a half and a three-quarter chance. And yes, on a good day, he puts them in the net. But, you know, they're not always going to go in. So I'm not remotely worried about Haaland. Uh, Steve, can I pick up on what Edward talked about in terms of docu? And, and less about necessarily the, the KDB docu situation. We've talked in previous weeks about Grealish versus docu. We're just talking about him as a player in this game didn't quite give us the control we wanted, gave the ball away quite a bit, was probably was quite frustrating and, and, and didn't cover himself in glory. Your, your views of, of, of Doku? Yeah, it's not out of character for him, though. In the games that he has played, he, he, he is better against an opponent that's not necessarily playing the low block in quite the same way when he's got a little bit of space to run into and a little bit of time on the ball and he's not trying to cross it between three or four players in his way. Um, so I feel for him a little bit because he's he's one of our few options on that side at the moment. So I think he's probably going to get a bit more game time whilst Grealish is injured. Grealish would have been a better option for this game because of his re retention of the ball. But um, look, I mean, he's what, 20, 21 years old? He's going to improve over time. He's also very um, early into his kind of adaptation into the, the City way of doing things. And Bernardo was saying, or quoted as saying the other day, you know, it takes the best part of six to eight months to actually get your head round what Guardiola is actually asking you to do so and on, on a young pair of shoulders I mean I you have to admire his exuberance and he did try and try and try again it just didn't necessarily quite work for him so now I've no long-term concerns about him I'm sure he'll adapt and adopt his, his football accordingly and I quite like his enthusiasm to be perfectly honest with you he didn't look downbeat at any time so but, but Sarah, no long-term issue, but obviously with Grealish's groin injury, uh, I think the club has said he's going to be out for 10 days or so. He's certainly not going to be available for the game against Brentford this week. Uh, it, it leaves us with few options. I guess he's got to play, hasn't he? Well, yes, he has. And, I mean, I think Steve's right. He, he wouldn't have played on Saturday. So it, it, the fact that Grealish was injured meant he was in the team. It wasn't 
it wouldn't have been, I'm sure, Guardiola's first choice because Doku suits certain kind of games and Grealish suits other kinds of games. But the reality is City bought a player who we, as fans, we love him because he takes players on and beats them. And in some games, he's been able to do that and we've all been on our feet and said he's great. He's young and he's also learning Guardiola's way again, as Steve said. So... um, there must be moments when he's in his own head, he must be thinking, should I take somebody on here or should I go back? And until he's properly got that programmed into his head, he will make some wrong decisions. So, uh, you know, I'm not worried about him. I think potentially he's going to be a really good player for us. It's just unfortunate. We, at the moment, we may have to play him in games that perhaps Grealish would have played uh, and we'll, you know, we'll see how he gets on. So um, I don't think it's a big concern. Do you want to pick up on, on the rest then in terms of Doku, Edward? Any any further thoughts on him as an individual in those guys? I think everybody said that against a Chelsea, you'd probably want to have Grealish. He holds on to the ball, a bit more control for us in those sort of games. And we have to play him. And your, your thoughts on his performance? Well, there's no doubt every week you see him play, he's an exciting player. He's dangerous. And he's the sort of player you want to watch. Uh, but for this game, don't forget, we also didn't have stones, didn't have silver, sort of players who can control and dictate and provide some of that solidity in midfield. And so because of the way he plays, and Sarah's right, normally he's trying to take on a player. Occasionally he's thinking, well, maybe I should uh, pull back and, and, and pass uh, to probably Ake. But I think it did leave Ake quite exposed in that game. And as we've still got what I call the Gundogan gap, uh, where we haven't quite worked out uh, alongside Rodri what we do. Akanji, he, he can do it, but I think we know he's not the best. Stones is the one who can move into midfield. I think that just created a bit of space for the likes of Palmer and Sterling to exploit, which, uh, again, Doku, he's, he's still learning about defending. Uh, I think that's probably the, the best way to put it. And, and maybe this season will be the one that he does. Uh, as others have in the past, Greenish concluding included in that, uh, start to get to grips with how they continue to uh, add to the team, even when they haven't got the ball. Just, can I just, just make just one of the quick points as well about Doku? I was talking to my dad earlier, and he he raised the, uh, the spectre of City need a decent left-back, um, and not for any reason in any way criticising Aki, who's been brilliant for us. But the one thing we don't have on the left side is the option that Walker provides on the right in terms of, you know, you know sometimes just bursting past Foden or whoever. And it, and so Doku never seems to have that option because it's not Ake's natural game. So I think there is an interesting question about whether if City had a left-back who played in the way that Walker plays on the right, whether that would make it easier for Doku in those sorts of games. It, it's interesting, just picking up on what you said, Edward, and kind of my, my next notes were who else was missing. And, and we probably shouldn't harp back to Gundogan not being there because we kind of, we've moved on a bit. But it, it just keeps coming to the front of my mind. And, and you think of what has happened to John Stones um, in terms of how he has adapted and what Pep's done for him as a player. And we haven't seen that. He hasn't played. Um, and, and we've had kind of a Kanchi in there, and we've kind of all talked about that in the last few weeks in terms of he's not quite the same player. I think we missed Stones. And as you rightly said, we missed Bernardo as well. It was kind of crying out for them. And I think if we'd had them, it could have been a very different game. Why, why Stones not playing? What's, what's, what's the issue? I mean, he's, he's back from injury now. He's available, isn't he, to play? And Pep hasn't played him very much. 
It is a bit of a strange one because every time he's asked about Stones's fitness and generally uh, the, the squad, he says, don't worry, we've got a full squad. And I know Guardiola's still coming back from a, a small muscle tear or whatever he's had. Uh, and there's never any suggestion that he's easing Stones back in, uh, like he said that he might do with De Bruyne. So it's a little bit of a mystery, particularly in such a big game uh, that we had uh, against Chelsea, where he was the ideal player uh, yeah. for us uh, in the way that we know Chelsea were going to set up. So it, it bit of a conundrum, uh, one that I think will still be uh, stonewalled, as it were, by by Pep when it comes to giving an insight into what's actually happening in the squad, whether it's part of the rotation, uh, I don't know. But at this stage of the season, as we did in the Champions League game against Copenhagen, you play your best team to control the game and, and win it. And so it was a bit of a surprise to see him not even uh, appear um, at the times of the game when you thought we were really crying out for, for his control in the centre of the park. Um Sarah, I guess you're going to agree, agree, aren't you? Because Stones, we know the, the Stone story. Uh, we know what an impact he's had, and yet we, we've not seen much. I know before. I know he's been injured, but he's back now, I thought. Yeah, it's, it's slightly puzzling. I do wonder whether Stones' physique and his body, they, which clearly they understand far better than any of us do, whether actually there is just something about you know, managing his body so that he doesn't keep getting... Because he's had a lot of niggly injuries over the last few years and none of them have been really long-term, but they've always seemed to have kept him out for, you know, a month, two months. And I just wonder, even though you'd think he'd play against Chelsea and then maybe have a rest against Brentford, maybe, you know, he played against Copenhagen, maybe... They f- they feel he should at the moment he can only play a game a week. I don't know. A quick word on on John Stones then from you, Steve, before we move on to the next player I've got written down here. Yeah, look, I agree on on all the above. I think it does seem like it's a rotational thing. They're obviously being careful with him. They want to make sure he's available for games when they really need him. Um, I think he would have definitely added something some control to the team at the weekend and we'd have probably started with a slightly different lineup. but you know I think at the end of the day Christ I mean what a player he is these days um, it's a shame he's, he's not fit enough to play every single game just got to be thankful that Rodri seems to be at the moment and that's the name I've got written down because he just he's unbelievable that man I mean okay yes he scored the goal of course but even if he hadn't scored that goal he just gives us so much. And listen, we know the stats in terms of we never lose when he plays. But Steve, what a player. What an influence he has on the game. He's just everywhere. He just, we talked about a lack of control and giving the ball away with some other players. He has everything, doesn't he? He's got to be one of, at the moment, he's, he's one of my favourite players. One of my favourite players, Rodri. Um, I went to Brighton a season or so ago with Stephen Allweiss, and we were behind the goal that City were defending in the first half. And I remember seeing a ball come in and it, it was bouncing rather dangerously. And suddenly Rodri just appeared from something. He just seemed to sense the danger. He appeared from somewhere and hoofed the ball down the pitch perfectly to De Bruyne. And it, for, for me, that was, I hadn't even seen him arrive. He just seemed to appear. It was almost like, you know, there he is. 
ball gone. And I think the guy has got a vision beyond his years. He's one of the few players in that team that I think sees the pitch in the same way as De Bruyne does. He's got that Fernandinho instinct of actually sniffing out danger and actually being there ahead of the danger and making sure that he cuts it out by being in the right place at the right time. And sometimes he doesn't even need to make a tackle. He just marks the space so it stops the pass. So, yeah, he's an awesome player. And he... You know, Christ, he was unlucky not to score more at the weekend, to be honest with you. His goal was an absolute thunder blaster. And, and he, he doesn't score simple goals, does he? I've never seen him score a tap-in. It's always a thunder blaster. Always. And he took the goalkeeper with it, didn't he? Yeah. And Edward, it kind of, he just, he doesn't give the ball away. His passes always find a sky blue shirt. Um and as I say, he won't be shrugged off the ball. He's kind of got everything, hasn't he? He's kind of the complete player, I think. I mean, I remember when he first came to City and it was, is he going to be able to replace Fernandinho? Is he up to it? Has he got that vision, that ability to read the game, find the right pass? And there were a couple of games where he was just finding his feet, but it didn't take long for us to realise actually we've got a really special player here. Another scouting uh, win. And... In some ways, I was trying to think how I can best describe him. He's almost got sort of the best of Vincent Company and the best of Fernandinho, where he can uh, do those thunderbolts, which Company was quite famous for on one occasion, uh, but he can read the game at the back, uh, he can soak up the pressure, but he can also find that killer pass, control the rhythm in the, in the middle of the pitch, uh, and he has to be one of the most valuable players on the planet at the moment. Uh, any team would... Uh, if they could afford him, uh, would put him straight in uh, to their lineup. Probably make him captain. Um, he is, I, was, I suspect, uh, the player that is going to define not just this season for us, but I hope future seasons as well. He's a complete rock uh, for City, and he shows so much passion. He really, really cares about winning and performing. You saw that from the way he banged his head about seven times after he scored. In the moment, he he did another. Sort of Istanbul moment, not quite as important, but for this season, maybe that is the point that gets us over the line. So, um, Rodri is an absolute dream of a player, a model professional, uh, and we're going to see him, I think, uh, stay in the team for many years to come. Nothing left for you to say, really, is there, Sarah, on Rodri, I don't suppose? No, I, I love him like the, like the guys do. He probably is my favourite player at the moment, although De Bruyne obviously um, it, it, it stands alone in one way. But I guess the biggest compliment we can play, pay Rodri is that I think he's a better player than Fernandinho. And I don't know a City fan who didn't love Fernandinho. So, and that, you know, I realise that's sacrilegious, Nigel, but I'm going to say it. Um, he is a better player than Fernandinho. And um, the panic if Rodri got injured would be, I mean, all this nonsense about Saturday, we'd be, you'd be running counselling sessions all day and all night, Nigel, for thousands and thousands of City fans. It'd be worse than Klopp leaving, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> let's, let's, I don't know if you can remember we played Copenhagen in the Champions League I don't know if you remember that um, it seems a long time ago now um, we went 1-0 up didn't we and then it was 1-0 and then just before half time we got another one and then we popped up quite at the, at the end as well with the late third sort of giving us a bit of a cushion Steve bit of a cushion to bring back to the Etihad um, good performance some good goals Bernardo's in particular what a touch I, mean, I had my hair cut this week as you can see both of them 
And my hairdresser, my, my barber hairdresser, my barber is a bit of a football fan. And he was absolutely waxing lyrical about that touch. And he's, he's actually a, a, a bit of a scout on the, on the side as well. And he was going on about the touch from Bernardo. That was just a very special goal and a special player, as we know. But that's, that's, that's decent, isn't it? You would have taken a 3-1 win to bring back to the Etihad in the second leg, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 3-0 would have been better, but for the one allowable ricket from Edison because he doesn't make many and I know people go on about it because it's so obvious when a goalkeeper makes a mistake like that but the reality of it is he picked himself up and got on with it Bernardo's touch was sublime I actually think my, my favourite goal was the Foden one just because of the movement of the players it's just unbelievable it, it, it was like a little ballet and, and it, you know like a little triangle and then Foden just appeared on the end of it and puts the ball in the, just, what a superb goal I mean you could see the look on Pep's face when that went in he was absolutely beside himself you know that's a, a very trademark Pep type goal but Bernardo was the one player I think we missed on Saturday really I would have wished him to be on the pitch because I think when he plays he gives us a bit more control he could have gone central and I think that would have helped us hold the ball a little bit better because we're very vulnerable on the counter-attack and him alongside Rodri and De Bruyne are very good at stopping them from going over the top in the middle but yeah very good performance I mean 3-1 pretty much foot in the, the next round I think and Edward, apart from the Grealish injury, which clearly was was a shame for him, having sort of got himself back in the side and given him a, a chance to impress, clearly that was a huge disappointment. A, a good a good result all round, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a strong performance. It seems to be our favourite scoreline when we play in the Champions League. Three one. I don't know how many times that's happened over the last two or three seasons, but three uh, one to us, of course. I'm talking about, uh, but it gives us, I think, the cushion that we need going back to the Etihad. Annoying goal to give away in the circumstances, particularly as I think we defended really quite well and were uh, solid for large parts of the game. Having silver on Grealish for not long enough uh, and stones, it just gave us uh, the the confidence, I think, just to, to use the space in front of us, uh, knowing that we'd be able to fill it again if we needed to, if we'd lost possession. So, yeah, a, a, a good performance. Uh, and one that also just gives people like KDB a few miles on the clock uh, without injury, which I think is also something that we just need to remind ourselves of if we, as we get to the business end of the season. Uh, we're going to need Silver, KDB, Rodri, all, all of those uh, stones when he's allowed on the pitch uh, if we're going to succeed uh, in the Champions League. And there's no reason why we can't. And we know, Sarah, don't we, of course, that the return leg is sandwiched between two reasonably important Premier League games. So having that cushion was really important. We didn't want three three tough games within seven days, did we? No, it was job done, wasn't it? I mean, we wanted to come back with a win. Um, I'm glad it was two goals and not one. And um, as ever, you can't be complacent in the Champions League. I mean, Copenhagen may be a team that City ought to beat, but they're not useless. Uh, as a certain team not a million miles away from us found out. So I think I think we can feel reasonably optimistic that the game, especially if we get an early goal against them, that game is done. Um but he's not gonna play he's not gonna rest he's not gonna play a second string team. He's still got to play a decent team. What you hope is we get a couple of goals and then he can take people off after 50, 60 minutes and and rotate a bit and no reason why that won't happen. Sarah, let's look forward then to the next couple of days. We, again, we've got two games again this week. We've got Brentford on Tuesday night at home, and then of course in the Saturday five thirty kickoff away at Bournemouth. 
I'm just wondering, so based on the conversations we've had about squad rotation, about injuries and so on, do, do you think we might see uh, the great, the magnificent Oscar Bob um, and Rico Lewis? So I'm, I'm just, well, we haven't seen them for a while. Is, is, is the Brentford game on Tuesday night kind of the sort of game we might see either or both of those two? I'd expect us to see one of them and potentially Bob, actually. I think he might he might play instead of Doku. Um, so, uh, I, so yes, I, I do expect them to get some game time on Tuesday. I think Bournemouth away on Saturday is not, you know, on paper we ought to win it, but it's not. Bournemouth have done reasonably well this season, so that's definitely not a gimme. So I, I expect if he's going to give people a bit of a rest or give people a chance, it will be the game against Brentford tomorrow where he does it. Um, and again, I mean, I think Brentford can't be taken too lightly. But if we're going to be if we're going to win the Premier League, you have to beat Brentford at home. So if there's a game to give people a, 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 either a rest or a chance, it will be the game tomorrow night. Your thoughts ahead of the Brentford game, Edward, in terms of maybe how we might sort of rotate that squad, who who we might see coming in, who's he going to give a chance to? Well, funnily enough, Nigel, I've also written down Oscar Bob and Rico Lewis. Because uh, I'm just thinking at this stage of the season, uh, clearly we want to win every game and uh, collect as many trophies as we can, but it does seem to close the door a little bit on some of these uh, edge of the first team players that we're wanting to nurture and grow into the next generation. Uh, you know, Oscar Bob, uh, Mrs. Timpson's favourite player, uh, is one that we all want to see play because he's got that uh, that beautiful gliding style, and we've seen from uh, the the finish uh, a few weeks ago uh, how good he is with his feet. So uh, I hope that we do see him, but of course. Pep will have in mind the fact that we can't lose any ground in these next two games on the the top uh, three that we're currently in. Uh, Brentford are a canny team. We've played them quite recently. Obviously, Tony's back, gives them an extra threat up front. Uh, so we've got to be extremely careful that we don't create too much, too many chances for him. Uh, and even Bournemouth has been said already, you know, they're well organised, they're they're a high-energy team, so we're going to have to be really on a game, concentrate hard. So not not easy games at all, but ones that if we are uh, able to perhaps rotate a little bit uh, and give some of the guys who've been sitting on the bench for a while some game time, perhaps in the last half an hour or so, uh, then that would be all to the good. Uh, I just hope that we see uh, Haaland leading from the front. Yeah, there could be a reaction, couldn't there, Steve? As you said, the uh, he'll bit like a, a wounded animal potentially. And and apart from Harland being a wounded animal, what what else do you expect to see on Tuesday against Brentford? I expect to see Brentford playing very very tight at the back, and as a result of that, I think that they'll sit deep and try and hit on the break. I think that's a game made for someone like Oscar Bob. He's very good at keeping the ball. He does a lot of good work in very tight spaces. Harland, I think, will probably want to score. He'll be really frustrated he didn't score at the weekend. I suspect De Bruyne will probably be angry that we didn't win at the weekend. There's nothing like an angry Kevin to um, to sort of G the team up. You know, you, you don't want to upset Kevin because he just smacks the ball through the back of your net. Um, I, I think it'll be a difficult game, to be perfectly honest with you. It'll be a tough game. It wasn't that easy back at their place, to be honest with you. Um and there was just a bit of a Spurs mate of mine actually called them a bit of a pub team, was what he said. They kick you about a bit. 
and he said they hoofed the ball forward. And, and I think they're probably a little bit more cultured than that. I think he, he was just being a little bit um, bit rough on them. But, um, you know, they're a strange side. They they seem to work on their percentages and, and they actually do it very, very well. I, but my favourite chant of the year, though, came that day. You know, Ivan Tony, you should have cashed out. You should have cashed out. Ivan Tony, you should have cashed out. That was absolutely hilarious to hear that. Best chant of the year, I think. Uh, Sarah, is, is Bournemouth going to be a more difficult proposition away, sort of a 5.30 kickoff at the, at the weekend, or not? I actually think Brentford at home will be harder than Bournemouth away, because Bournemouth are playing quite expansive football, they're at home, and of course that then gives us the chance to, once we get control of midfield and we've got control of the ball, um, it, it ought to leave us with more space to play in, so... Uh, on paper, I would say that Bournemouth away, notwithstanding the fact that they're doing well this season, is the easier game. Um, and actually, uh, I was, it was interesting when you said, Steve, about them being a bit of a pub team. I, I absolutely get the fact that they, they're prone to a bit of kicking. They're not the only ones. But I, I didn't watch all of it, but I saw a bit of them against Liverpool on, was it Saturday or Sunday? I can't remember. And for the first 15, 20 minutes, they played some really nice football really proper passing it around one twos so they're capable of that uh but whether they'll come apart the boss remains to be seen so on paper Bournemouth should be easier the the the, the only other thing to say is whatever the state of either game we've got to take six points from these two games there's no ifs and buts about it we've got a, a hellish march so we can't be going into that more than a point behind you know who Although apparently sure. they're running away with it, according to Sky Sports. So, you know, I don't know why we bother. Yeah. And you know their manager's leaving as well. Do you know that, Sarah? Don't no, you know I, hadn't that? Heard, I hadn't heard that, Nigel. No, no. God. He's running, he's if you thought that excuses. would have made the news, wouldn't you? He's running out of excuses, apparently. So he's... he's, he's, he's <laughs> um, Steve, your thoughts about just finally kind of the... Before we finish off with Edward, kind of your thoughts finally about the Bournemouth game at the weekend? Yeah, always a difficult game, but I agree with Sarah on this one. Bournemouth are a team that like to play a little bit more, so they'll leave a bit more space, which plays into our hands, to be honest with you. I quite like playing against teams like that. Arsenal are a really good example of it, where they will just play their game, and that gives us space because we tend to play that game a dab like better than they do. But interesting, at that time on a Saturday night, I kind of don't really like football at that time on a Saturday night, I'll be honest with you. I'd rather it be earlier in the day. and I'm going to make sure I wear my blue retro shirt because every time I've worn this combination this hoodie and this shirt we seem to win so and I didn't wear it on Saturday that's annoying that'll be why then and for those who can't see Steve's got a round neck sky blue shirt with a round logo in the middle of his chest kind of very very 1970s uh, super one of my favourite kits uh, Edward finally then just uh, thinking ahead six points in two games is a must isn't it can't drop points in either of these surely yeah, I think at this stage, we've got to be taking six points. We need to show the ruthlessness that we know City can deliver. We need to be clinical. It's really frustrating this weekend just gone, seeing the chances that we didn't put away and then watching some of our rivals being able to uh, put away chances like uh, like candy in a sweet shop. So, yeah, we, we should do it. Uh, I think they will be frustrated coming off the back of the Chelsea game. Uh, and you know, I suppose you've always got to look at the silver lining. Uh, at least we didn't have the weekend that Calvin Phillips had. So 
um, uh, things can only get better. Bless him. We love you, Calvin. We miss you. And we uh, thank our three guests this week. Thank you to Sarah Messenger, to Edward Timpson, and to Steve Cox. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.